Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Good morning, church family. Um, we'll be reading from the book of John 14, 1 to 3. But before I do that, I just want to say, hi, Perry, if you're listening and watching. <laughs> we miss you. We all miss you. We love you. Listen to the doctors and nurses and do what they tell you to do. And we'll be waiting for you when you're ready to come home. Okay. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Thank you, Bev, for our reading and for the message for Perry. <laughs> I know he was watching the 8.30, so he could be watching again right now. Join me in a word of prayer before we begin today. <clears throat> awesome God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your promises, Lord. We turn our attention to you now and to your word, and I ask that you lead our time together here and that the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, would be honoring to you, Jesus, and that they would be a blessing to your people. It's in Jesus' name I ask. Amen. So, just to kind of kick it off, my, my boys are just at a really fun age right now, 13 and 10, and then I have two daughters uh, below them, but kind of, I'm kind of leaving the days of these shows that they just don't think are, they're just not into anymore, the, but the shows with theme songs that would get stuck in my head all day, throughout the day, so like, bedtime is the right time to fight crime, I can't think of a rhyme, PJ Masks, PJ Masks. Or actually, and this one I kind of like, but Cheetah Speed and Lizard Glide, Falcon Flight and Lion Pride, Gonna Go Wild Wildcrats. I'm like, that one was actually pretty cool, and, and I liked that show a lot. But these shows would just get stuck in my head, and, and it would just replay. But now, my boys are like, Dad, can we watch The Mando, Mandalorian? I'm like, yes. So it's just been so fun. And season one... Um, of, I'm just moving this because I want it out of my way. Um, season one, we blew through season one of The Mandalorian and just loved it, enjoyed it. And then season two came on, my boys were like, Dad, when can we watch Mando? We've got to watch Mando. And I'm like, yeah, we totally do. Tonight? Yeah, let's watch it tonight. And I meant so well. I'm like, let's do it. And then life got busy. Dinner time was kind of pushed back a little later. The sun started setting a little later. So I like, they're like, Dad, Mando. And I look at the time, I'm like, boys, you don't, we don't have time, but you promise. And I'm like, I know, I meant well. I, I, with all my heart, I want to watch The Mandalorian with you, but circumstances are preventing us from doing so. 
We're in a series now called Promises, and while circumstances may thwart my plans or your plans, you say you're going to do something, you say you're going to be somewhere, something happens and you can't, as frustrating as that is, God does not have that problem. We sometimes have to bend for circumstances, but circumstances will always bow to God. Pastor Pete and I and the rest of the staff were kind of discussing, I'm like, you know, Pastor Pete talked about peace recently, and I'm like, we should just hang out in the promises of God and just enjoy God's promises to us as a church. So here we are, we're going to just kind of camp out here in the book of John, the intimate gospel. It's very different from the other three gospels in an intimate way. And specifically, the context that we're looking at these promises, two things are happening. On the one side, Jesus knows what's about to happen to himself. Jesus has already predicted he's going to be lifted up onto a cross. He's going to be crucified. Jesus knows that he's going to be betrayed by one of his own. So he knows that. That's coming up for him. But he also knows in the context of this narrative He also knows that he's going to leave, and the disciples' world is about to be rocked. And Jesus cares. And he comforts his disciples. And he says to them in our text, John 14, verse 1, do not let your heart be troubled. And this word troubled in the Greek, tarasso, it means to stir. It means to agitate. It's to roil water. So if you've ever been in like a creek or a stream and like you put a stick on the bottom and it just gets all cloudy and murky, maybe you've experienced this trying to go to sleep at night. Your heart is agitated or your thoughts just, you simply cannot just shut off your brain like you wish you could because you just want to get some sleep, but you're worried about something. You're agitated about something. And God cares. And so he gives us promises. And he says, my followers, my people, do not be troubled. Don't be churned up, but listen to these promises. Because the truth is you and I live in the space between of the already and the not yet. The already that we have this eternal security with Christ. That's coming. But it's not yet because we live in a world that can be very trying and life can be confusing, it can be challenging, it can be heartbreaking, it can be downright exhausting. And maybe you're a lot younger than I and... Life has been pretty good, but I, I'm here to say, <laughs> at some point in this life, if it hasn't happened yet, chances are your world is going to get rocked. There's a lot to figure out in this life. After high school, you think about, do I join the military? Do I learn a trade? If so, which one? Do I go to college? If so, which one? And what do I major in? What career path should I take? Should I re-enlist? Should I get out? If I do get out, what am I going to do? 
and adulting, man, it gets, it gets intricate. There's marriage, there's singleness, there's divorce, there's remarriage, there's children, stepchildren, fostering, adoption. Thinking about 401ks and retirement plans, there's just a lot to think about. And so some of you are nodding your heads. You're like, yes, Pastor Josh, I have experienced my life getting rocked. And you know what that's like. And I just want to say grace to you. Grace upon you. Jesus has grace for you. I have grace for you. I'm forgetting things. Like last night, I forgot to plug in the outdoor speaker. Sean, I see him get up and run outside and he plugs it in. I'm like, I'm because I'm dropping balls. Like I'm forgetting things and... Super glad to have people in my corner who help out, pick up the slack. And I'm trying to have grace on myself and just be like, hey, Josh, you're going to forget some things, but just grace upon you. Grace upon me. Thank you, Jesus. We get rocked in this life. Maybe some of you are still reeling from some of the circumstances that you've experienced. Um... And it is this pithy saying I've thought of, when we get rocked, God is not shocked. You think about the story of Job. God knew what was going on. When we get rocked, God is not shocked, but he does care. He cares. And as I was putting together this sermon, I couldn't help but remember there's this local pastor um, in a neighboring town where I used to youth pastor, and he had two children, and he was, his world got rocked. Um, he announced to his church that his daughter had cancer. And so that church just began to rally and pray, and pray around the clock for this little girl that God would spare her life. And other churches heard about it. Our church heard about it. And so we all began to pray for this pastor and his family and his, his daughter, they had worship nights to lift up this little girl in prayer and to just be with the Lord. And what's so wild, in, in contrast, it was right at this time that my wife had just given birth to our oldest son. And I remember just holding my child with his ten fingers and his ten toes and just this life that was knit together in my wife's womb, and I was just so in love with my child, and I thought, I don't want anything bad that ever happened to this child. I, like, I'll give my everything for this child. And this neighboring pastor, his daughter died. Um, we prayed. And God answers yes, God answers wait, and sometimes God answers no. And I just, I just remember feeling so, so deeply for this pastor, just having a baby of my own and knowing he's dealing with loss while I'm experiencing life. And then, what's so astonishing is this pastor 
very soon after this, gets up on stage and he preached probably one of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard. And one of the things he said stood out to me. I'll, I'll never forget it. But he was talking about God and he was talking about God's promises. And even after losing his little girl, he said, in a moment where it was just him and God hashing it out, he came to the point where he told the Lord, Nothing changes between you and me. And I was astonished. Wow, what great faith. And he was broken, he was hurt, he was mourning for his little girl. But he also fully trusted in the Lord. And when we get rocked, God is not shocked, but he definitely cares. And we know from these promises that we're looking at that no matter what happens in this life, we have blessed assurance. No matter what happens in life, we have a security in our Lord. And so I just want to kind of briefly go through this promise of Jesus because it's very, very beautiful. He says, in my father's house, and I just need to, we need to hold up right there because I've thought about this, in my father's house, what is Jesus talking about here? I've thought to myself, how big is this house? Can we all fit in the house of the father? Like, and I've recently realized that I think I'm thinking too small. Uh, we have Isaiah 66 verse 1, we'll put that up there. And the Lord says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So come along with me a little journey at, to North America. Uh, we'll look at North America here. And so if any of you have ever driven cross country, hopefully you did some stopping along the way, some sightseeing along the way. I don't know how long that took you, but you need pit stops and you need snacks and potty breaks and sightseeing and all the things. However, the, 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 the distance from coast to coast approximately is about 2,800 miles. And if there was a road that was not windy, it was just a straight road going all the way through the, the nor North America, and you drove without stopping at approximately 60 miles per hour, it would take you two days. Two days. But again, like you need all the snacks, you need waters, you need depends, you need all the things. You can't stop. So that's driving all the way. So zoom out from that a little bit to planet Earth. Maybe we got the circumference of the Earth. And if there was a road as the equator, again, no stopping. This is approximately... 24,900 miles, driving around the earth, no stopping at about highway speeds, it would take 16 days, 16 days to drive around the earth. Zoom out even further to the solar system, which, by the way, is practically impossible to create a visual representation of in a model or on a screen because the sizes of the planets are so vastly different and the distances between them are so vastly different as well. However, if you could drive your car at highway speed from the sun to Pluto, it would take more than 6,000 years 
And our solar system is even bigger than that. To get to the end of our solar system, it would take 19 million years to drive to the edge of our solar system. If my research is correct. But I think it is, thanks to NASA. <laughs> Zoom out even further to our galaxy now. And our solar system is but one of over 500 known solar systems in the Milky Way galaxy. Beyond this, there are neighboring galaxies. Thanks to our tech, we, we have seen webs of galaxies, and they have had to come up with new ways of measuring, like the astronomical unit or light years, because miles and kilometers are just too puny. God said, heaven is my throne. If we can't fathom his throne, how on earth can we fathom his throne room? And if we can't fathom his throne room, how on earth, how in the universe can we fathom his house? I have been thinking too small. I think when Jesus said, in my father's house, he might have had a smirk on his face. There are many dwelling places. There is room for everyone who would say yes. So the father's house, I believe, is this vast, unfathomable, infinite universe that we live in. And praise God, because an infinite universe requires an infinite God. And then, so after this, in my father's house, he talks about there are many dwelling places. And I think the King James Version um, has mansions in its um, translation. But the word that Jesus, is, that Jesus uses here is actually pretty key. So if you've ever taken a walk on Kailua Beach, maybe you've noticed the very big, beautiful homes that are there. For some reason, whenever I walk by, um, every blade of grass just seems to be perfectly manicured. I get home where we have chickens running around and trampolines and the nets starting to rip now um, and balls everywhere, you know, just scooters, skateboards. It's, so <laughs> I see the mansions and I'm like, it is pristine. But every time I seem to walk by, I don't see any life there. I don't know who lives there. Once in a while, once in a while, I feel like I see someone enjoying it. But I thought to myself, man, I, I, wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to live in a mansion like by myself. I wouldn't know what to do with all the rooms and all the things. And it's like, the, the word that Jesus uses here in the Greek text is mone, and, and better than mansions, it means abode. There are many abodes or dwelling places, or abiding places. And to me, this communicates life and family in my Father's house. And then he invites you into it, and he says, when you pray, say, Our Father. You're invited in to the family of God. How beautiful. If anyone here has quarantined alone, Dude, it's lonely. I mean, sure, at first I was kind of like, this is, this is kind of a nice break. 
kind of nice. But man, by day three, I was like, I, I miss people. <laughs> I'm lonely. And God's about family. And that's not all. Not only in my, and he, does he say in my father's house, there are many dwelling places, but Jesus, the word who was there in the beginning, the one through whom and for whom all things were made, Christ the incarnate carpenter, the resurrected king of kings, is preparing a special abode for you. And as I thought about this, a special room for you, a special abode for you. I was thinking, man, it's more than a vacancy. Have you ever stayed in a vacancy? A vacancy is a generic spot with generic fixtures. Sometimes the, the blankets that you sleep in are just itchy and they're not cozy. It's a vacancy. And you almost can't wait to leave the vacancy and get home. It's more than a vacancy. And beyond that, it's even more than hospitality. And I've received some great hospitality, like the kind where there's extra blankets laid out, maybe even a chocolate on your pillow. You're like, yes! They make sure that you know where you can get fresh water, where the coffee is for the morning time. Good hospitality. But it's more than hospitality because because with hospitality, you can actually wear out your welcome. Those of you who have hosted for a long period of time, there comes a time when you're like, I love you, but please leave. I want my space back. And this is not that. This is not a hospitality place. This is a special place just for you. And there's more. He's working on it now. And this is really important. When we finally got into the market to buy a home in California, we'd been renting and moving and renting and moving and renting and moving and renting and moving. We finally got in the market and we got this, <laughs> wow, it was a do-over. It, do it was a redo. It was, it was a dump. It needed a lot of work, like all the work. Except for maybe the roof, needed all new windows, needed a lot of plumbing repairs, some major ones too with concrete floors like being opened up, all new flooring, all new windows, all new doors except for the front door. We spared the front door. That was good. Um, drywall in places, all new paint, needed to be textured first. Um, the whole fireplace needed to be redone. It was just, it was, it was a ton of work. And Shout out to anyone who might be listening from Ventura Missionary Church. You guys rallied. You guys rallied. And people just put out, I, I know this church would do the same thing, but they put out the word like, help save the youth pastor. And I'm like, yes, save the youth pastor. I, I have a lot of work. And so we would have work days at my house where these, these guys and gals from the church would, would show up and they would do work. And it became a very beautiful beautiful home. But before it was finished, my wife and I, we were just, we were done. Like, we wanted our own space. And so before the walls were textured, before the walls were painted, we tried to move back in. <laughs> with, our, with our baby. 
Drywall dust is not good for babies, everyone. So I learned that the hard way. Um, he's fine, by the way. He's fine. Um, but we started sneezing. We we're like, well, we can't do this. So we tried, I think, one night and we were out. And so Jesus is working on it now because he cares. And I just think that's so cool. Like, it's going to be finished. It's going to be ready for you, this special abode. You won't live in drywall dust because our God is good. Your own special space, custom designed by the King of Kings. And then this hit me. This stood out to me as I was reading the text. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe these words of mine, he says. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you this. For I go to prepare a place for you. And then again, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. If I go. So it made me think, if I go. Well, what if Jesus didn't go? Well, he has to go. And I was thinking, that's like a forerunner. That's like someone who goes first ahead of us. And then my memory was jogged because the writer of Hebrews totally nails this in chapter 6, verse 20. He uses the word forerunner, and he's talking about the Day of Atonement. He's talking about the high priest who could only go in once a year into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, to make atonement for the sin of the people. And that man best not linger because he's entering into the pureness and the holiness of God and unrighteousness does not mix with righteousness. So they would tie a little rope around his foot just in case, just in case he was struck dead. At least they could pull him out of the holy of holies. And the writer is writing about Jesus came once and for all as the great high priest and he actually says, Jesus the forerunner. Listen to this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one, Jesus, which enters within the veil, the Holy of Holies, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become high priest forever. And this word that this biblical author used, pradramas, in the Greek, is so cool. There's three aspects about this word that are so cool. And when I hear them, I'm like, wow, that sounds a lot like Jesus. Listen to this, forerunner. Number one, aspect number one about this, this word, it means someone who rushes in. They don't cower back, but they go for it. And I think of Jesus saying, Father... If you can take this cup from me, if not, yet your will be done, not my will. Someone who rushes in. They're not scared. Number two, second aspect about this word forerunner, a pioneer. Someone who goes where no one's gone before. Number three, it means a scout, like a reconnaissance mission the advance guard who goes ahead to make safe the path for the rest of the body of the troops to follow. 
And I thought, man, John Mason Neal captured it so perfectly when he penned the words to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, he wrote, O Come, Thou Key of David, Come. And open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery tonight. Jesus, the forerunner, going ahead of us, paving the way, the way, blazing the trail to heaven so that we too could come along with him and enter in and be friends of God. How wonderful, how comforting, how beautiful. And when life is rough, tumultuous, when our hearts get churned and stirred up, how rich and how beautiful are the promises of Jesus. So may we encourage one another, bless each other. I know, Lauren, you really blessed me singing this weekend. Thank you so much. Sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's a text. Sometimes it's a mocha <laughs> that someone just blesses you with, and I'm just like, God bless you, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, may, we, may we bless one another. May we be that for each other. Let me pray for us. Well, Lord, real life can be real hard, so we thank you for a real God. Thank you for your promises, Lord. And I just, I just lift up everyone in this room, everyone on the patio, everyone listening online. I pray that you would remind them how close you are, how much you love them. I ask that you'd bless them today. All the families here that are represented, God bless them. Lord, bless our pastor as he rests and heals. And Lord, may we continually, like a, the needle of a compass. May we continually be drawn to you, our beloved north. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.